0: Welcome to Fringe Division.
1: Weird it is a matter of degrees. Hello and welcome to Fringe Division, spoiler-free rewatch podcast of the hit TV show Fringe. I am Jimmy, The i Wee
0: Jimmy. It's basically <laughs> a Jimmy talking to himself. Oh no!
1: Yeah. So, uh, so you time traveled. You time traveled to come and talk to me. That's strange.
0: Oh, I, I came to your
1: post apocalyptic future it's like the postman my favorite film i've never seen the postman um yeah you have <laughs> 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 right come on who are you really <laughs> Hi, I'm
0: Martin. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 12, The No-Brainer. It was first aired in January nineteen two thousand and nine twenty seven. 27. <laughs> it was written by David H. Goodford and...
1: Do <laughs> uh, the date again?
0: And this week we're talking about Season 1, Episode 12, The No-Brainer. It first aired on the 27th of January, 2009. The episode was written by David H. Goodman and Brad Caleb Kane. The director was John Paulson.
1: Excellent work, Martin. Um, yeah. So Brad Kane again, the voice of um, the singing voice of uh, Aladdin. He's once again writing an episode of Fringe. Wasn't he Amanda
0: Seyfried's dad on um, on um, Veronica Mars?
1: No. No. All right, because it's a cane. Yeah. Right, okay. (laughs) Right, so, Martin, what did you think of episode 12, the no-brainer? Well, I think it might have
0: been a no-brainer for the writers, because they didn't make much effort. (laughs) Of all the fringe episodes
1: we've watched, this was certainly one of them. It was indeed, and that is to say, it's not particularly good. Do you want to talk about the film Poltergeist instead? Oh yeah, I like Poltergeist
0: because it was basically that.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't. What? Well, because a hand came out of a screen. Yeah, right. But no one dies in Poltergeist. Then why was it so scary? Because I don't know, but it was scary back in 1982 yeah no one dies in Portuguese um look
0: wee Jimmy's not sure he's ready for this level of trauma
1: (laughs) actually I really didn't like horror when I was a child so that's spot on (laughs) I was not a fan of horror when I was a a wee man (laughs) so yeah that's true So we're going to go through the plot. Martin's going to interject with something funny. (laughs) Or he's just going to sit there and just let me go through it and talk. Usually works. Yeah. No, Martin will interject when he has something to say about a particular point of the plot. Um, And I will try and go through it as quickly as possible. Uh, So... You you can tell, like, we've done 12 of these. Well, this is a 12th and uh, well done us. Yeah, we actually made it halfway through the season. Um so <clears throat> as the poet Bon Jovi would say, we're halfway there. Yeah, yeah. So let's go. Right. 17-year-old Gregory Wiles is working at his computer and chatting with a pal on the phone <laughs> when a mysterious computer program begins to execute, prompting him to click a button. Strange images begin to flash before his eyes, and the teen is drawn and seemingly mesmerised. Then some- What a
0: fucking idiot! Is this his first go on a computer? What the hell is he doing? You don't click on pop-ups? Why does his computer look like he's running Windows 95 when his dad is supposed to be running a tech startup? This is ridiculous, even for Fringe! Those things are weirder than the actual weird stuff they're actually investigating in their weird shit department. I mean, really?
1: Yeah! <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. He deserved to have his brains melted. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know why that wasn't the first thing Walter saw and was just like, <laughs> he he's going to play silly bugs, he deserves whatever he gets and move on. Exactly. Stupid teenager. Stupid boy.
1: Um, well, you see, the, the, the thing with the hand coming out of the screen is. Ridiculous! It looks, it looks a bit sort of cheesy. I quite like that though. Right, aye, it's fine. But but the when it's there's a close up of him and there's, there's a tear like rolling down his face. That that changes it. That makes it fucking heartbreaking. I was like, fuck, that's um, that's uh, devastating. That, but yeah, I don't know why he didn't idiot. just get up and walk away. Because he can, he was mesmerised. Martin, didn't you hear the part of the synopsis that said that? No, because you were too busy wanting to have a rant. Oh, yeah, I have been waiting hours for that one. Yeah, no, I perfectly understand. <laughs> um, yeah, he he dies. He did have an iPod, though. He did. He did. Um, uh, our apartment, live at Dunham's playing Operation One. Who so cares? Ella doesn't brush her teeth and your mum doesn't like getting lied to, blah blah blah. Ah, oh, I think I
0: understand now why you wiped all memory of uh, Ella and her mother from the series.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, again, to reiterate, I did not wipe all memory of them, I just thought they were in it longer than the. were. I thought they came in in the pilot. It feels like they're in it longer than they are. Yeah, and this is their second episode. <laughs> And already she's in danger. Oh, uh, it's ridiculous. It really is. Anyway. I'd forgot. I'd
0: forgotten her name was Ella. I thought it was Scrappy-Doo.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's only the first season. At least Scrappy-Doo waited like three years to take down Scooby-Doo.
0: Ugh. If you're interested, uh, Jimmy has recorded an
1: oral history of Hanna-Barbera. I have. I have spoken about Hannah Barbera on Martin's um, podcast extended edition. Is that still going? I don't know. I haven't listened to it in a while. Is it still going? Sort of. Sort of, right, okay. Right. In his lab, Walter Bishop, um, oh, Jesus Christ, pontificates about Darwin's theory of human sexuality. Okay. Peter Bishop shuffles through the mail and finds a letter that apparently disturbs him and he throws it in the trash can. But not before um, Astrid notices the look on his face. Olivia calls and says, she needs Peter and Walter to meet her outside because they have a new case and a body. Um, as the two stroll out, Astrid is fucking nosy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she takes the letter out of the trash can. Uh, she's got a lot of uh,
0: chat back and uh, ideas above her station in the next couple of episodes,
1: hasn't she? Yeah, I like Astrid, and I'm glad that Astrid has stuff to do. But they still don't know. They still don't know how to write Astrid. And no. They don't know what she is, or what her role is, and you know what her attitude is, what her character is. So they're trying to out... be
0: perfectly fair to them. They don't know how to write Olivia either. So
1: yeah, Olivia and Astrid, they both they seem to be trying different things each episode with them to see what sticks.
0: I think you can always hear the tears from the writers' room going. Oh my god, ladies are different. How do we handle this? <laughs> don't worry, just get, uh Joss Whedon's brother and. Uh... Roberto Orsi to write all the episodes and you'll be fine. Yeah, don't hire lady writers now. Who are we, dire straits?
1: Um, They actually do have lady writers, but just not a lot. I think they've got one so far we've had, I can't remember the lady's name, but she was a playwright and she's written a couple of episodes.
0: I can tell by how well-developed the female characters are. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, they definitely need need more um, female voices in the writer's room. They definitely do. This episode opens... uh, Well, after after the boy gets his brains melted, we cut to Olivia playing Operation and all the single ladies by Beyoncé is playing. And that's just like... uh, That's a bit... You know, on the nose.
0: They're all single ladies. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Because uh, Rachel, you know... Left her husband mm-hmm. and uh, Olivia uh, was going to marry a traitor.
1: Yes. And Ella's
0: eight. So she doesn't have a husband at all. No,
1: she's not married. Um,
0: Because they've not arranged that yet. No, they haven't arranged that yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, Olivia's a, a traitor widow. So... In the lab, Walter drills a hole in Gregory's head and drains his cranial cavity. How are you with all this gore, the like yuckiness in this episode, by the way?
0: Well, it's pretty low on the yuckiness scale. You
1: think so? I think, like, see if you saw the, like, the pictures of people with their brains, because it looks like sick, and I can't do sick, so, um, you know, vomit for other listeners.
0: Yeah, because if
1: young people are listening, they'll probably just think you're saying great. Yeah, yeah, I don't like great. um, But yeah, it looks like vomit. So I was actually like, burr,
0: burr, I don't like that. There's this um artist I really like who colorizes old photos, mm-hmm. and she just put out a new book, uh, which is called The World of Flame, and the work is stunning, Uh, but it's all like war photography, and I just had to flip through it, and it was like a photo from the First World War of someone's... with their head open. Ooh. Which is even gorier, because it's real.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I won't be. I won't be buying that book. Uh, Walter has determined that Gregory's entire brain was liquefied, but he's not sure how. He, ha- hi- he guesses that Gregory may have contracted an advanced form of syphilis that cooked his brain... Peter says that if he caught something from a girl or took some kind of drug, there might be a record of it on his hard drive. Astrid is already on it because she knows computers now. Yes. Yes, but she says the hard drives platters um, have been fused together. Uh, The writers are saying we have to give Astrid something to do. What can she do? Let's give her computers. We need one of those type of people.
0: Is this the bit where Peter takes the hard drive away?
1: Yes. Well, yeah, but then we're going to cut to Olivia talking to Luke Dempsey. Because he makes no move
0: to make sure he has no static electricity on him, which is uh, the first thing you do before touching a hard drive or it won't have anything on anymore. And if you're actually going to open them up like uh, Astrid is doing, you want to do it in a uh, clean room in... Basically, a hazmat suit. um, And what they're doing in that scene pretty much guarantees they'll never get any data off it.
1: Right, so Astrid isn't as good with computers as she thought she was. Oh, she's telling everyone. Yeah. Ridiculous. Right. Olivia pays Luke Dempsey a visit. Luke is... That's um, a friend of the dead boy. Um... Look, it's clearly shaken by the news of his friend's death. He says the two of them were talking on the night of Gregory's death, but Gregory had stopped responding. That's, we were aiming. Yeah, we were, we were aiming. But that's because he was dead. Um, He also tells Olivia that he knew Gregory because their fathers had worked together. So remember that. I wonder if that will come back later. Yes. As she's leaving, Olivia gets a call from Peter to report another death that appears to be related. At a car dealership, Broyles briefs the team on the death of the dealership's general manager, Anton. You don't get many Antons these days. No. Whose head rests in a puddle of melted brain matter. Um, which I found disgusting. Um, Walter quickly deduces that the cause of death is the same as Gregory's. No shit, Sherlock.
0: Do you stop yourself from throwing up if you need to throw up?
1: Yes. Yes, I don't know how you do that. I have a very, I, I have a weird sort of, sort of gag reflex. It's like if I, um, I can't do cat poop smell, mm. so cat poop normally makes me sort of, um, wretch, and I have to stop myself from throwing up. So, yes. Uh, why? Why do you? If you. Like, something happens and you have to throw up. Do you just automatically throw up?
0: Yes, that's the very fundamental process of how it works. Right.
1: But I can stop uh, myself from throwing
0: up. Yes, my wife does this.
1: What, she stops you from throwing up? No, she stops herself <laughs> yeah, from throwing up. I know, out. Martin. I was. Yes, okay. It's going to be a long show. <laughs> right. Although unable to recover much data, she has determined that both victims downloaded. All oh, right, wait a minute. What? I did not read that. I used to like a good vomit. Like if I got too drunk,
0: I'd just be like, oh, "I'm gonna throw up," and then I'll be fine. And then I was fine, and it was great. Yeah,
1: I, d- I've got nothing to say about that actually. I don't drink, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not a true Scotsman because I'm not an alcoholic. So. Oh, well, you can work at it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. At 44-year-old, I'm now going to start drinking and becoming an alcoholic. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I just, I just realised how old I am. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> oh,
0: no, so did I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Right. Astrid determines that both victims downloaded an enormous file just before their computers crashed. Did you know how big this file was, Martin? I did not. 657 MBs. That's like the size of a
0: CDR.
1: Yeah. That's not a huge file.
0: Well, to be fair, this was 2009. Exactly.
1: In 2009, it was a huge file. But nowadays, because she said that, and I just sort of laughed. It's like, pff, that's nothing. Huge file? Massive file? No. But then, you, I
0: mean, yeah, you're looking at oh, probably six to twelve hours to download that.
1: Back in 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, it takes what ten seconds. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're on a
0: couple of minutes at most. Yeah,
1: if you're on fibre. The conversation is interrupted by an unfamiliar sound of the laboratory's old rotary phone ringing. Peter answers but hangs up quickly. He claims the call was a wrong number. But his demeanour says otherwise. I wonder if this will come back. Yeah, in the exact same episode too. He leaves with the hard drive saying he knows a guy who might be able to recover more data from it. Oh well, that's when he leaves with the hard drive, Martin. Um, I'll
0: cut that bit in there then.
1: Yeah, okay. Once they're alone, Astrid tells Olivia she thinks she knows who called because she's nosy.
0: Yeah, get your nose out of
1: it, Astrid. I know. If he wants to tell, he'll tell. Peter pays a visit to Akeem, an old acquaintance, and persuades him to help identify the mysterious programme downloaded by both victims. Akeem leads Peter into a back room... It was Napster. (laughs) ...where he has a fully functioning high-tech computer lab. Yeah. Um, Okay, meanwhile, at the FBI FBI office, Sanford Harris trashes Olivia's investigative approach saying the case should be turned over to the CDC. Harris threatens to shut down her investigation if the case isn't solved in 12 hours. Right. Harris is... Well, we know he's a dick, right? Is Sanford an actual name that people have? Sanford? Yeah. I don't. Well, I don't know. It's like a surname. It's like... Yeah. Why, why, why
0: do they think, Oh, what's the weirdest name we can give this guy? Or is it, like, someone's dad's name that they
1: think is normal? Well, I wonder. Well, Blair's also a surname. And we have Blair Brown.
0: Yeah, but that's an actress, not a character.
1: I know, but you're... Yeah, but... uh, But she plays a Nina, so it all balances out. (laughs) Does that not take... Well, a Nina, yeah. My, um... I have an aunt called Nina. Brown. So, there you go. Uh, Don't trust her or her robot hand. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um Right, so he Sanford tells Olivia that he's gonna shut things down, right? But he can't he he shouldn't be telling Olivia that.
0: It suggests he's not as impartial as he should
1: be. Exactly. Exactly. I think
0: HR are gonna have some things to say.
1: Yeah. Another thing I've noticed Peter never uses his FBI badge that he was so proud to get. No. He never flashes it. We never see it.
0: So. Your problem with this episode is there's not enough flashing.
1: There's not enough flashing in this episode. Yes. And too many brains coming out of people's nostrils. Like Revenge of the Living Dead up here. (sighs) Brains. In the computer lab, Akeem tells Peter that the programming question is incredibly complex blah blah blah, something's happening at Olivia's because Ella's playing a game on her laptop Ah, oh, it's pony paint yeah. It doesn't
0: have pony paint
1: <laughs> I know um, Apparently it's downloading like right away so the laptop was on, because it's on when she opens it up, but it was already downloading when she opened it up
0: Well, in other episodes, we see her looking at confidential FBI information on her laptop. So the fact she doesn't have any sort of login is uh, very suspect. And if she was having some sort of internal investigation, she could be struck off for that alone.
1: Exactly. Let's hope she's never uh, part of an investigation then, because that'll just fuck everything right up.
0: Hmm.
1: After getting Peter's frantic call, Olivia races to her apartment. She calls her sister, but Rachel can't hear the phone. While Ella plays her computer game, is it really a game?
0: You no, you just paint, paint a ponies.
1: pony. Yeah. Um, a familiar, mysterious window pops up. Not uh, yeah, a familiar to us, writer of the Wikipedia. It's not familiar to Ella, but okay. She clicks it, and the same series of images begins to play. El- to be fair mm-hmm. to the kid, She's eight. they
0: actually did it that she tried clicking everywhere and nothing was happening. No, she
1: did. Yeah. The the teenager in the first scene just clicked on it right away. And the yeah. eight-year-old kid actually tried to get rid of it first. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's smarter than someone twice her age. Um, Yeah, he's an idiot. And now he's dead. Uh, she clicks it and the same... I've said that. Ella appears drowsy, hypnotised, Outside, Olivia jumps a curb with her car, squeals to a stop, and dashes into the apartment. Peter is right behind her. Olivia pulls the laptop away from Ella's hand and wakes her from her trance. See, at first I was like, well, that's convenient, but then we later find out that he didn't really have any intention of killing the child. He was just trying to scare Olivia. I hope she doesn't
0: have too many of these near misses because this will get really irritating really quickly.
1: Yeah, if if Ella is just here... To be a victim, and for Olivia to save her life, every episode it is going to get fucking annoying.
0: Don't worry, they get eaten by the observers soon enough.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Forgot about that. (laughs) They don't get eaten later. Olivia tells Charlie about the video on the computer that hypnotized Ella, and Charlie agrees to call computer forensics. Good old Charlie. Good old computer forensics. Exactly. Meanwhile, Peter bonds with Ella and Rachel. When Olivia inspects the computer, she sees the light on next to the video camera. Her face appears on the screen of a man, Brian Dempsey, who sits behind an array of high-tech equipment in an undisclosed location. He talks to the screen, telling Olivia's image that she'd better back off or she won't be so lucky next time. Just then, a proximity alarm goes off and someone enters the building, it's Luke Dempsey, Brian's son. They're setting up something here with Peter and Rachel, and I don't like it. We don't need a um, love triangle. Oh, everyone needs a love triangle. Um, No, Martin, we really don't. We don't need a, a love triangle. Not every TV yeah. show needs to fucking do it.
0: Rachel's got everything that uh, Olivia has, uh, but without her inaccessibility. Peter's in there.
1: But then, I mean, they're showing that Peter's good with Ella.
0: Of course he is. He's a uh, rough criminal gangster type when necessary, but also funned with kids.
1: (laughs) When necessary. Yeah, when the scene calls for it. Exactly. Olivia theorises that whoever is responsible for these deaths was watching her through the computer's video camera. Yeah, well done, Olivia. Broyle suggests that the killer may be aware that Olivia was in the case and hacked her system to track her. Um... Olivia's. Blimey, it's like he's in the computer department too. Exactly. Everybody knows everything apart from uh, Olivia. <laughs> Evanston, Illinois, Marion Rosenfall comes home to find her husband, Mark Rosenfall, dead in front of his computer. So, lovely. And Walter's lab, see, that was gross. And Walter's lab, um, which Martin wanted to call this uh, podcast.
0: I wanted to call it. Like fringing the observers of us or something, but uh, go on.
1: No, you wanted to call it Walter's Lab.
0: Only after you rejected the other name that was good.
1: No, it was, um, what was it? It was something that was close to another podcast that already exists.
0: Pattern or something, yeah. yeah.
1: And there's already one called Observing the Pattern, so we couldn't use that.
0: So we called it Fringe Division, which is great unless anyone is ever wanting information about the Edinburgh Comedy
1: Festival. Exactly, but at least they'll know that our podcast exists. In Walter's lab, Olivia receives a call from Charlie informing her about the next victim. As Olivia deals with the call, Peter spots an older woman staring in his direction. He t- he walks up to the woman, who turns out to be Jessica Warren. Um. Who is the mother of the woman who died in the fire and uh, was Lab. Years and years ago. Um, so we've got a Dawson's Creek reunion here, Martin. What's that then? Um uh, Mary Beth Peel, who plays Jessica Warren, was in Dawson's Creek. She played um the character Jennifer um she played her grandmother. So well, Jen played Jen's grandmother. So she was a regular in Dawson's Creek. So we've got a wee wee, um, reunion here. That's nice. Yeah. Peter doesn't want her to speak to Walter. That was a bit... That was sort of obvious where that was going, I think. Do you? Yeah, because I've seen enough TV to know that they're trying to make it out to be one thing when it's actually another. Yeah. Like, she says, I want to see your father. She doesn't say why... Mm. Peter's like, no, 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 you can't because Peter thinks it's going to be something bad and then she just, it's not. So I knew that straight away. In the lab, Walter explains how he thinks victims died. The program created audiovisual stimuli that amplified amplified the victims' neural impulses and trapped their brains in an endless loop. Much like a computer virus, only one that attacks people. Later, Olivia confronts Peter about Jessica Warren. Olivia knows she's the mother of Carla Warren. Blah, 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 blah. Do you think Peter's doing the right thing here?
0: Yes, absolutely. I really like this little C-plot, and I thought it was uh, quite emotional, Mm -hmm. but it kind of felt like Peter just got exceptionally lucky that she didn't just go and lay a world of grief on Walter Mm -hmm. and send him back into his own traumas and undo all the work they've done in the last, you know, 11 episodes. Yeah. You kind of needed a bit where she says to Peter, that, I just want to talk to him and I'm not going to blame him for everything you think I'm going to blame him for. yeah. Rather than just going, oh, please, in various mediums over and over.
1: Yeah. Yeah, explain it. We don't need this surprise. You think it's going to be one thing. Oh, no, it's this thing. It's just like, just just have her explain and then it it can still be emotional. Yeah. Peter could even say, oh, I don't know if she's telling the truth or something. You know, just fucking whatever. Just Hmm. don't do this bullshit. Right. Astrid enters and presents Olivia with background on the latest victim. Uh, They finally make a connection. The latest victim recently married Miriam Dempsey, Luke Dempsey's mother. But why would Luke kill his own friend Gregory? Then Olivia remembers that Luke and Gregory's fathers have worked together.
0: It's all connected.
1: It is. A short investigation reveals that Gregory Wells' father used to be Brian Dempsey's boss, but fired him. Paul was apparently going after people... Well, Who's Paul? Um, Going after people who hurt him by targeting their loved ones.
0: Anyway, then they have a fight at a warehouse and it's done. Yeah. What did you think of them taking the son in and then he just calls a taxi straight to his dad? Well, that's...
1: Yeah. <laughs> the. Take- Speaking of lazy writing... Exactly. But I think they sort of... They try to get out of it by a line. And it's actually my line of the week. So I don't have a Walter line of the week. But I do have a line of the week. Um... And I'll just say it just now. Uh, he can't possibly be that stupid. He's nineteen. Good point. There's an exchange between Olivia and Peter. Yes. And that's also just a writer said, Yeah, he's nineteen. Just forget about this extremely stupid part of the plot where he is in full view of everyone, phones a taxi in the FBI office to go and see his father. <laughs> So, um, Brian appears from behind, um, Olivia, pulls a gun to his head and, and disarms her. Uh, he holds her at bay with one gun while pointing the other under his chin. Olivia tries to convince him not to end his life, but Brian turns his attention to the screen so he can experience his creation. So he commits suicide by his own computer program. Which
0: seems like a daft way of doing it, really, if you've, uh, done that, you think you'd think you would probably go for something more gentle.
1: Yeah, but I think the point is he wanted to see it for himself. Uh, so he just thought, ah, fuck it. I'm going to die anyway. Because it's either bullet to the head or, you know, hand to the head. <laughs> so. Um, at the task force office, Harris tells Broyles that Dunham violated his direct orders by releasing Luke Broyles disagrees, saying Olivia closed the case in spite of Harris's obstructions. Broyles tells Harris that if he continues his personal vendetta against Olivia, he will put his career on the line to protect her and threatens him that if he doesn't back off, all the red tape in the world won't protect you. Yes, Broyles!
0: It's nice to see how far they've come since liaison.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't know why every time you say that, Broyles is French. Because that's how he says it in the pilot. He doesn't say it with a French accent. He just says it in a Broil's accent. <laughs> um, in the lab, Peter has changed his mind. He tells Walter there's a woman who wants to see him, but that he can end the conversation anytime he wants. Jessica says her daughter's name was Carla Warren, and that lands hard on Walter. The sad look on his face says he remembers her. Um, Jessica wants to know if there's anything Walter can tell her about Carla since. He was the last person to see her alive. Um, well, yeah, she was screaming in pain because she was burning to death.
0: <laughs> I don't think he said that. No,
1: no. Walter says he remembers she had a wonderful smile. The two embrace as Peter looks on. So that was sweet.
0: They did actually a really nice job of having um, Peter and Walter grow closer as the season goes on mm-hmm. without really smacking it over your head and having... Peter worry about Walter in a way he wouldn't have five episodes ago.
1: Yeah, at Olivia's house, Peter turns up and says she would write about Walter,
0: uh, and then Rachel's all like, "Ooh, Peter's here! Hi." I know,
1: um, uh, more importantly, that he's grateful for Olivia for bringing Walter back into his into his life. So that's nice. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's yeah, fucking love triangle. Don't need it. We don't need it, Martin. Do you have a Walter line of the week?
0: I hope she doesn't notice the $2,000 I spent on the baboon seminal fluid. I
1: hope I can recall why I ordered it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, I was going to pick that one, but I don't know why. I sort of thought you would. (laughs) Right. So now it is time for some notes. And Martin's going to give us some notes on this episode of Fringe. Carry on, Martin. Play the the notes section
0: theme. (laughs) Notes. The Observer can be seen as Olivia drives to
1: rescue Ella. See, I didn't notice that. No, no me. No. I actually tend to forget that he's there sometimes, and I forget to look for him. At the end of the episode Bound, Olivia falls asleep
0: reading a book to Ella entitled What's That Noise? Which refers to the text in the pop-up window when the killer program executes in The No-Brainer. Oh, see, that's actually quite clever. This episode has the shortest prologue to date. Yeah,
1: and the one the one we did last time had the longest. Although credited, Mark Bailey and Blair Brown do not appear in this episode. That's what? This is episode 12 and that's like seven yeah. <laughs> that I haven't
0: appeared in. Ah, oh, I miss Massive Dynamic. When are they coming back? It's been so long.
1: Right, so the glyphs. Martin, the cypher, what did they spell out this week? Bishop. Bishop. Um, I'm actually surprised we've never had that before.
0: It's two of the names of the characters. Yeah,
1: exactly. But it's just, it's a bit strange that, I mean, why Bishop? Like, now, is it because of Walter Bishop, his subplot? Is it that, maybe? Because usually the cypher means something. Who knows? Who knows, indeed. So, do you have anything else to say about this episode before we wrap up, Martin?
0: I think it had some really nice moments and the rest of it really dragged on.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the next episode we're going to be covering as um, episode 13, the transformation. Um, when the French division delves into another bizarre occurrence aboard an international jumbo jet, freakish remains are discovered at the crash site. So there you go. Um, and I actually remember see I did remember this. I remembered the hand coming out of the computer thing. Um mm. when I was watching it. And in the next one I also remembered something, so we'll talk about that next time. So thank you all for listening. We uh you can follow us on Twitter at drop the Pilot pod, which is my other podcast's um name. Uh shiftybench.co.uk is the website. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk uh, you can contact us on that email address where can people find you on the internet there Mr. Martin sir
0: at the Fowl Door on Twitter and Instagram
1: brilliant, thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you all next time, goodbye
0: bye bye
1: Oh, that was nice <gasps>